0: And now, Virgin Most Powerful Radio is pleased to present Hands On Apologetics
1: with renowned Catholic author and apologist Gary Machuda.
0: And welcome, everybody, to Hands On Apologetics. You have entered into Virgin Most Powerful's Apologetics Dojo. It's great to be with you today. Rocking and rolling through the week. It is Tuesday. Had a great discussion yesterday with our good friend Hugo Delgado of Hosanna in Excelsis on YouTube. Talking about works of law. And, uh, you know, that is a key issue between Catholics and Protestants. And it's one that's brought up a lot in apologetics. And so that's kind of cool to be able to answer certain misunderstandings in scripture concerning works of law. But you know what? There's a ton of other misunderstandings, ton of other objections made by anti-Catholics that, you know, as Catholic apologists, we ought to be able to give a reason for the hope that's in us. So that's why today we're going to kind of continue along the answering objections line and talk with our good friend, Catholic Brian, Brian Mercier, who's going to be with us and uh, we're going to talk about answering anti-Catholic objections. So, uh, you know, I love having Brian on the show. He's just a, you know, high energy kind of guy with a ton of knowledge. And most of all, not just book knowledge or head knowledge, but he's in the trenches. Um, he has a uh, fantastic YouTube channel as well on um, on, um, YouTube, I guess that would be kind of redundant, but yeah, he has a great channel on YouTube where, uh, he goes head to head on tons of apologetics issues in a way that that's uh, very forthright, but also charitable. So, uh, that's going to be a ton of fun. He's coming up on the other side of the break on this side of the break. We are going to sharpen our critical thinking skills with our finding the fallacy segment Today's finding the fallacy is the survivorship bias fallacy. A very interesting title. And also, as you know, we learn a little bit about uh, church fathers. And today's early church father for our meet the early church father segment, Saint Gregory of Tours. In fact, I, I think a guest mentioned Saint Gregory. It might have been last week. Um. strangely enough, it came up in our conversation. Well, guess what? Today, we're going to learn a little bit about St. Gregory. So we have our docket all set and ready to rock and roll. But before we do that, I want to welcome all of you to the dojo, especially all of you listening on radio around the country, watching on live stream, and also listening to us through uh, podcast and social media. Welcome aboard, everybody. It's great to have you with us. Indeed, it is uh, wonderful to have you with this. And by the way, if you're, um, maybe you would like to check out the show. Maybe something's going to come up. Uh, you have to go to work. There's a meeting. Maybe the kids are crying. Some, and you can't hear the whole show, but you want to hear Catholic Brian. You know, uh, knock down these anti-Catholic objections. Well, never fear, because Virgin Most Powerful Radio is here. With either the phone app or the flagship website, which is virginmostpowerfulradio.org. And uh, guess what? You can listen to the show at your convenience. So in case you're going to miss a portion of the show, that's the place to go, org or the phone app. Cool thing about the phone app, it's got lots of freebies. and I love freebies. Cool thing about the website is uh, I think the phone app does it as well. But you can keep abreast of all the uh, conferences and other Goings on a Virgin Most Powerful reader right there. Also, I want to mention the official Dojo mailbox, which is questions at handsonapologetics.com. And while I'm at it, I must also going to say, hey, check out my website. It's uh, handsonapologetics.com. I don't really give my website out too much. Uh, I do plug my YouTube channel, Apocrypha Apocalypse. And uh, man, there's some really cool stuff, by the way, percolating uh, behind the scenes on the Apocrypha Apocalypse. As you know, uh, that's where we focus on the Old Testament canon and uh, why these books rejected by Protestants as Apocrypha are actually scripture. And uh, yeah, we're going to have some really cool stuff coming up um, on that channel. So you definitely want to check that out as well. Okay, enough said. Let's go to the Finding the Fallacy for today. Like I said, it's a survivorship bias fallacy or sometimes called Survivor Bias It is a cognitive fallacy in which when uh, looking at a given group, you focus only on the examples of successful individuals, the survivors, quote unquote, in the selection process, rather than the group as a whole, which would also include the so-called non-survivors. A classic example of this, by the way, is uh, during World War II, uh they they would send out bombing missions and when the planes come back of course not all of them came back from bombing missions there would be studies of bullet holes in the planes so that the designers of the plane would know where to put the armor and uh so what they failed to at least at first factor in was the fact that the bullet the bullet holes that they were mapping out were of those planes that survived the mission. In other words, uh, it's not to put more armor where there's more bullet holes. It's actually put armor where there's less bullet holes because those were the ones that didn't survive. And so they needed to be bulked up in those areas in order to make more survivable. Well, that's a classic example of kind of looking at the data but kind of skewing it because you're not taking the whole group as a, a in a single picture, but just focusing only on one particular subset of that group. In this case, the survivors, um, trying to think, does this occur in apologetics? I'm sure it does. And I have a feeling it probably would occur with the early church fathers. Um, not exactly sure how though, maybe, um, perhaps focusing only on Orthodox fathers and, uh, neglecting, uh, Uh, you know, Christians that were heretical. I'm not sure. Um, uh, So, yeah, I'd have to give that some more thought, but uh, I'm sure it does apply. I just, uh, right now I'm coming up blank. But anyway, that is our Finding the Fallacy for today, the Survivorship Bias Fallacy. Let's meet our early church father for today, who is St. Gregory of Tours. And we all heard of St. Gregory of Tours. Let's find out a little bit about him. St. Gregory, Bishop of Tours, the son of a respected senatorial family of Gaul, which is modern-day France. Uh, he was born on November 30th, 538, in uh, modern uh, Clermont-Ferrand. Uh, his great-grandfather, grandfather of his mother, Armentinia, was Gregory, Bishop of La Uh, Netis, Bishop of Lyon, was Amartya's great uncle, and Gullus was Bishop of Claremont. Uh, He was the uncle of Gregory on his father's side. Gregory's father, Florentinus, died young, and it was Gullus, Florentinus's brother, who imparted to Gregory his earliest Christian training. Excuse me, soon after his ordination, to the diaconate, Gregory was taken ill, and it was about the year five sixty three. He was made made a pilgrimage to the shrine of Saint Martin of Tours, where he hoped for a cure. Ten years later, in the middle of his thirties, he was elected bishop of Tours to succeed another one of his mother's relatives, uh, Euphronius of Tours. It's funny how early church fathers like they all come from, and saints in general, they all come from very holy families. And, uh, you know, uh, Gregory of Tours is definitely one of those. Um, Anyway, it was to celebrate Gregory's ascension to the Episcopate of Tours that Ventinius Fortunatus wrote his poem, uh, Extolling Gregory. Gregory was a man of particular grace and honor, even among his peers and contemporaries, enjoying enormous uh, respect throughout Gaul and serving often as emissary to King Childebert II, the only thing that prevents our silent Gregory, says Jurgens, Faith Early Fathers, as the greatest romantic of the Romantic Age, is the fact that such a title has already been taken uh, by his friend uh, Vententius uh, Fortunatus. He died on November 17th, possibly 593, more likely 594 A.D. And Gregory uh, was uh, best remembered for his History of the Franks in 10 Books, Nevertheless, uh, Jurgen says that uh, for apologetic works, he focuses on the other book that Gregory wrote, which is the Eight Books of Miracles, which was written sometime between the year eighty-five seventy-five 575 and 593. And the Eight Books of Miracles consisted of separate writings composed at various times and finally combined into one work by himself. And I'm not going to have enough time. I I wanted to get a couple of quotes in, unfortunately. But uh, maybe I could do this. But Mary, the glorious mother of Christ, is believed to be virgin both before and after she bore him. Has, as we have said above, been translated into paradise amidst the singing of angelic choirs, whither the Lord preceded her. And that's a beautiful uh, quote as well. Let's see. We could probably squeeze in one more. Um, Of the course of life, having been completed by the blessed Mary, when now she would be called from the world, all the apostles came together in various regions to her house. And when they had heard that she was about to be taken from the world, they kept watch together with her and behold the Lord came with his angels, and taking her soul, he gave it over to angel Michael and withdrew. At daybreak, however, the apostles took up her body on a bier and placed it in a tomb, and they guarded it, expecting the Lord to come. And behold, again, the Lord stood by them, and the holy body having been received, he was commanded to be taken to a cloud into paradise. And, of course, this, both of them refer to the Assumption Mary, also her perpetual virginity. And it contains one of those stories about uh, Mary's Assumption. Coming up next, I, uh, not high-infected, great question-answered, Brian Mercer. Now, back to Hands-On Apologetics with Gary Machuda. If you'd like to join the conversation, call 888-526-2151. Here's Gary. The name of the game is answering anti Catholic objections. I can think of no better person to talk about that than our good friend Brian Mercier. Brian, as you well know, is a professional Catholic speaker. He's a retreat leader and an author and also a, a very formidable Catholic apologist in his own right. He has a fantastic YouTube channel simply called Catholic Truth. You can just type in Brian Mercier if uh, you, that's too difficult. He also has a, a website that you could check out: thecatholictruth.org. And Brian, welcome back to Hands On Apologetics.
1: Thank you so much, Gary. How are you?
0: Oh, I'm doing fine. Can't complain. Uh, how is things in your neck of the woods?
1: Oh, you know, things are going well. Uh, very busy uh, answering the anti-Catholics, constantly atheists, uh, 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 Protestants, Jehovah's uh, Witnesses, Mormons, lately Muslims, and on every side, you know, people are challenging the Catholic faith, and us having to defend it.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, Brian, for some reason, it sounded uh, muffled. So uh, you were coming in fine, and then it kind of clicked and got muffled. Um, if maybe you could check your mic uh, connection. Um, yeah. Uh, anyway, <laughs> while you're while you're doing that, I just want to say, uh, check out Catholic Truth on YouTube because. Uh, that's you know that's one of a few channels on youtube that i binge watch that better oh yes 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 i don't know uh, i
1: changed the input of my mic i'm sorry oh no problem
0: no problem but uh yeah so i i binge watch all your stuff on (laughs) channel it's awesome i mean it's like you always amaze me because of the breadth of different subjects you know it uh, a lot of uh apologists have sweet spots you know certain areas that they they feel very comfortable defending and explaining but man you you covered it all my friend
1: i try to you know I tried to I originally started out as you know with Jehovah's Witnesses and learned all about them and then evangelicals and protestants for several years and then I got into atheism and agnosticism because that's what half of our church is and that's yeah. where our, our our generation and our culture is going and then I came back to protestants for a long time got very much deep more deeper into Jehovah's Witnesses and Mormons and you know and then eventually Islam and other religions as well so I've tried to uh defend the faith in many different areas with many different people.
0: Yeah. And that's awesome because it's, you know, variety is the spice of life. So it's, you go to your channel and you never know what to expect. And and you also have great interviews too. So, uh, uh, you know, I, I recommend your channel to whoever I talk to. So Catholic truth, if you go there, subscribe, like do all that stuff for Brian.
1: Yeah. Thank uh, you. Yeah. We have great guests, people like Gary Machuda, you know, Scott Hahn, you know, great guests. (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay, the check's in the mail, my friend. <laughs> Got that plug in. Yeah, so, uh, and that also means, uh, you know, I I bet, you know, your comments section, your email box is probably just overflowing with feedback. Probably a lot of it's like thumbs up, hey, keep up the great work, but I imagine you probably get some uh, some uh, pretty spicy email, you know, saying you're wrong and, and this is why.
1: Oh, all the time. In fact, I had one person just write me a long tirade about why the Catholic Church is wrong and my secretary was like, I apologize for this man in advance, but here you go. <laughs> and uh so I just simply, you know, wrote back to him, Hey, do you wanna, you know, debate this, uh, debate these things on our channel? And uh so he's thinking about it. But yeah, we get all over. I mean, I had to bring on four people to help us answer all the questions we get through TikTok, Instagram, email, YouTube, and so on. And it's just incredible. And people of all different walks and backgrounds of faith and so many anti-Catholics and even other religions like Mormons and uh, Jehovah's Witnesses or even some high up Jehovah's Witnesses recently, like really high up, like in the in the Watchtower saying that they're converting to Catholicism and thinking about converting to Catholicism, you know, because of our videos and some of the interesting we've done with former witnesses and such. So we're reaching a lot of people across the board. And uh, naturally, that brings a lot of anti-Catholic comments as well as good ones.
0: Yeah, yeah. And and even, you know, with anti-Catholic comments or questions or objections, you know, uh, and this is I'm just saying this as a tip for apologists listening out there. They're not all equal, right? I mean, the one thing that my own personal pet peeve is when somebody copies and pastes Like some secondary source, and they act like, and here's my objections why I don't believe, and they just paste it on there, expects you to do all this research, and they don't really care enough to even compose something on their own.
1: Exactly. And in fact, we would call that a troll comment. People who don't even watch the video and just cut and paste long diatribes about why Catholicism is wrong. We hardly delete any comments, but we delete those kind of troll comments, you know, because they haven't done the research. They've just copied and pasted it from other people and and really aren't willing to engage in what we said in the video and aren't willing to engage in any kind of actual intellectual uh, stimulation and response. And in fact, we have so many anti-Catholics who say we're wrong. We're going to hell. There's no way the Catholic Church can be true. You're brainwashed. You're stupid. And so every time I ask them to debate on our channel, they say no. And so it's like, <laughs> you know, it's a lot of bark and no bite. It's really sad.
0: Yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah. So you got to be careful not to waste your time, you know, and and that's one way to do it is, you know, the put up or shut up type <laughs> approach, like, hey, I can see you're really passionate. Why don't you come on live and we could work through this? And you're right. All of a sudden it's like, no, no, not interested. They disappear. Yeah. Well,
1: here, the thing I learned a long time ago is, and here's a a thing for your audience, is that many people don't want the truth. They just want to yell and scream and be heard. And I break these two people, these people into two different categories. But there are some people you just can't reason with. There's people that will not listen no matter what you say. Mm-hmm. In fact, we just, I don't know if you saw our video, uh, we just debunked uh, one of the Cleveland street preachers, the head guy. And uh, he... Yeah got, yeah, one of the Catholics came up to him at the end and challenged him and gave him good information. He refused to talk to him. He just kept changing the topic and kept contradicting himself. And it's like, they're not willing to grapple. And it's like, if people aren't willing to listen, don't waste your time, as you said. But then there's other people, you know, who are willing to listen, they are anti-Catholic, and they aren't willing to yell at you and scream at you, but they try to make good arguments to show why they're right and why they think you're wrong. So they're trying to engage in an intellectual discussion. You can usually reason with these type of people, whereas people who just tell, oh, well, you don't know anything. And why would I respond to you if you don't know anything? You haven't done any research and just complete ad hominem attacks. Those people aren't really interested in truth. And many of them have been hurt. Many of them have issues. Many of them have actual, um, I don't want to say mental issues, but, yeah, they do. In other words, just have been hurt really badly. And so they're lashing out at you and anyone that maybe they were ex Catholics and they're lashing out at anyone Catholic. We have to remember that what people say and who people are are two different things. A lot of their arguments aren't really their arguments. They're struggling with deeper things that they're not telling you. And it's our job as an apologist to really listen to people and see where they're coming from and try to diagnose their problems, where they're really coming from, and see if we can really help them. Like I've had people recently, you know, yelling at me about how bad the Catholic Church is and this and that and all this stuff. And I said, yeah. You're right about all of those things. The church has done those things, you know, and I'm sorry that your church hurt you. You know, I'm sorry that those people hurt you. I was like, is there anything that I can do for you to make up, you know, for your bad experience with Catholicism? And, and so I find this goes a long way to try to help people. And some people are open and some people are not, but you know what, you just pray for them and let God do the rest.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the key word that you said is diagnosis, you know, it's so important for those who defend the faith to be able to listen and diagnose the problem because like you said, sometimes uh, people will present symptoms, so to speak, like they'll give a million objections and they seem like it's intellectually based when actually uh, those are just cover for like, like you said, maybe they were hurt during church, somebody mistreated them or, you know, It's really more of a matter of the heart, not the head. So it's really important for an apologist to make that distinction.
1: Exactly. We do need to know our faith. You know, we need to know the arguments. We need to be able to explain our faith well. But we also need, if you want to be a professional apologist or even a seasoned apologist or any apologist that actually makes a difference, you have to (laughs) learn how to listen well. That means not skimming people's comments online, not just reading the first few sentences and going down to the comment section to respond to them. You need to, I mean, if we're going to do it right, and I don't always do it right because sometimes I'm busy with thousands of comments, but to do it properly you have to read their comment and really try to understand it. And if you really want to do it well, read it again to try to see where they're coming from and then answer that appropriately. Because I see all the time people are responding to things that people are not saying and they're responding to arguments that they're not making. I'm like, that's not their real issue. And you're just responding with facts and you're yelling at them and screaming at them the way they are you and nobody's winning anybody over here.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very, very, very important indeed. And uh, so diagnosis and uh, listening, I mean, I think listening is probably the most important skill for apologists, which is weird because most people think, well, you have to be articulate and you have to, you know, make really lucid thoughts. And and that's important, but it's not as important as being a good listener.
1: That's right, because so many people are hurting. They're lonely. They're broken. I mean, a lot of these people argue online. I wonder how many of them, like, just... I wonder how many of them have nothing else to do. This is like all they do. And it's like, I feel like they're just looking for attention half the time. And if you greet them with kindness, and if you really listen to them, hey, what, you know, what is your biggest problem with the Catholic Church? And why do you have that problem? You know, were you ever happy as a Catholic? You know, what was the thing that made you go astray? What was that one thing that really ticked you off? Or what was the one straw that broke the camel's back? These are really provoking questions that will get you to the heart of the problem and help you to understand the person, you know, at the same time. A lot of times when I meet with Mormons, uh, Jehovah's Witnesses and other religions that come to my house. I just ask them questions and I listen for a couple of weeks before I even say anything in return. And uh, I get to know what they who they are, what they teach, you know, their reasonings for doing so. And then I can pick it apart once I know it pretty well, you know, but you have to listen well first. And that is an art that our culture sorely lacks.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of like uh, apologetics is kind of like judo. You have to have a good grip on your opponent <laughs> to throw them, Right. if you don't have a good grip you'll never be able to throw. In fact, you'll probably be thrown.
1: Exactly. Exactly. And, uh, we need to do that in apologetics as well. So it's good give and take. And, uh, actually one of my favorite books is by Patrick Madrid. It's, um, called Search and Rescue. And it's how to bring friends and family to the Catholic Church or back to the Catholic Church. And it talks about not only the arguments that you have to have, but the whole book is spent on the approach to do so, the best way to bring them back. And that's not just with arguments. It's with the questions we ask. It's with our attitude. It's with our example. It's many different things other than just making good arguments. Many people make the right arguments, but they do so in the wrong way, and they still don't make any difference in people's lives.
0: Yeah, and questions are so effective. In fact, some ways questions are more effective than explanations because it forces them to think self critically about their own thinking.
1: Exactly, and that's why I love to ask questions, and that's why I just ask those questions. You know, what yeah. if uh, what. I was on an atheist show recently, um, totally not prepared because I thought it was the week after. But uh, he always asks his theists, uh, you know, okay, why do you believe in God and what evidence do you have? I said, that's a good question. But first, let me ask you, why are you atheist and were you ever a theist? And what caused you to be an atheist? Because I wanted to understand his side first.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, very good. Very good. We're chatting with Brian Mercier of Catholic Truth Channel on YouTube. More to come right after this. Listen to Hands-On Apologetics.
1: This is Jesse Romero. You're listening to Hands-On Apologetics with Gary Machuda on Virgin Most Powerful Radio.
0: And welcome back, everybody. We are chatting with Brian Mercier of Catholic Truth on YouTube, also org. And we're answering anti-Catholic objections. We haven't even got to the, the objections yet. I'm having so much fun talking shop with you. But so... Uh, if you wouldn't mind, if we just entertain where we left off, because you kind of, you brought up an intriguing point where you're on this atheist show, and he's asking you for reasons you believe in God. And you kind of flip the table around and say, okay, well, you're like, why do you believe God doesn't exist? Uh How did that work?
1: Well. He had, he said he did believe in God for a while. But then at some point in his life, he kind of I, I think, ironically, he didn't get a lot of prayers answered. And he had a lot of pain in his life. And it didn't seem like God was there for him. And so he fell away. You know, we just said, Oh, well, there's no God. And um So this, you know, I always term this like emotional atheism. You know, it doesn't mean that that God doesn't exist. He just didn't answer your prayers at the time and free will and all that. But ironically, he's like, okay, well, why do you think exists? Well, I say, well, now I feel bad because one of the reasons I, you know, feel like God exists is because I had a terrible life, too. But God changed my whole life, (laughs) you know, because I didn't give up. On God when he didn't answer my prayers and I didn't grow bitter and I didn't fall away and I kept praying even when it didn't make sense even when I didn't think he was listening even when I thought I was just talking to the sky talking to the wall you know I kept just praying every single day and eventually he at the right moment at the right time he came into my life and totally changed it upside down and backwards and uh so you know that's obviously subjective reasons but that's one reason why I would believe in God and that's just kind of how the show started
0: yeah, that's awesome. Well, I mean, his reasons are objective are subjective too. So, I mean, correct. And uh, yeah, I I love that because that totally gives you a chance to kind of give a testimony in a sense. Uh, yeah, you, you give honestly, you know, you, you, some of your core reasons why you believe God exists, and you build this rapport right with the host. That otherwise, if you're just, you know, let's go through, through it's, uh, Aquinas's uh, you know various ways and stuff like that, it would never have you know, made that connection with the host.
1: Yeah, maybe, you know, what I said will maybe make him think someday down the line, you know, like, oh, well, God changed his life and I'm desperate. You know, maybe I'll try again. (laughs) You know, maybe, who knows, you know, and I'm praying for him. So maybe God will reach out. Absolutely. Absolutely.
0: Okay. So let's go to some anti-Catholic objections and uh, let's start knocking them out the park.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Paul... Um yeah <laughs> lately um you always advertise my uh website and my um my YouTube channel but you know lately I've been trying to kill it on TikTok as well I mean it's a it's a yeah. cesspool out there it's a it's a battleground out there and so many people I mean I think I I just reached uh a few million recently on uh, YouTube, but I'm reaching a quarter of a million people a month on TikTok. So the amount of anti-Catholics we're reaching, the amount of Jehovah's Witnesses, Mormons, atheists, everyone we're reaching is insane. So we're getting way more comments and way more questions than we've ever had before. But some of them, you know, continue to come up, you know, you know, more than others. And uh, one of them revolves around, you know, repetitious prayer. Have I done this one recently? Because I hear this a lot. Do you hear that one a lot? Like, oh, oh, you you know, you guys just repeat prayers and the Bible condemns repeating prayers.
0: Right. Yeah. Yeah. And apparently you can repeat objections, but not prayers. So (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, that's a very common objection.
1: It is a very, I hear it all the time and it's supposed to, you know, I guess, condemn the rosary and the divine mercy Chaplet and just prove that these things are wrong. And in fact, I just debunked one uh, poor girl who talked about um, that, oh, well, Catholics repeat prayers and the Bible condemns repeating prayers. And so I called her out. I said, where in the Bible does it say repeating prayers is wrong? I said, it's not. I said, you're misquoting the Bible, you're misusing the Bible, and you're misinterpreting the Bible. And I was like, this is why now people can see why the Catholic Church wouldn't let people read the Bible for themselves down through the ages, because of this. Because you just read it any way you want, you have no idea what you're doing, and you're leading yourself astray to destruction by misusing the Word of God. And in fact, isn't that what the book of Peter says? that, you know, untaught and uh, unstable people twist the scriptures to their own destruction. The Catholic Church wasn't trying to keep the scriptures from people. It was trying to prevent them from leading themselves as, astray to destruction by mis, uh, by misusing it and and coming to faulty conclusions. So I said, do in the video, I said, do a Google search for me. Do me a favor and humor me. Look up repetitive prayer. Just look it up in the Bible. All of the sites that are going to come up are Protestant. And the Protestant sites are showing repetitive prayer in the Bible. And these scholars say that repetitive prayer is not condemned. In fact, Jesus uses it. He repeats the same prayer three times. In fact, Protestant songs... Use it. Have you ever been to a Protestant service? Have you ever listened to their praise and worship? I brought one up just uh, for fun. This one's called Let It Rain. Listen to the lyrics. It says, Let it rain, let it rain. Open the floodgates of heaven. Let it rain. Let it rain. Open the floodgates of heaven. Let it rain. Let it rain. Open the floodgates of heaven. Let it rain. I'm not making this up. It literally <laughs> repeats it about 20 times before it gets into the first verse. And then they repeat it 20 more times before the second verse. It's, And I could, you know, multiply examples, but Protestant do this all the time because they realize that repetitive prayer is not condemned. The Greek word there is uh, for repetitive prayer is like vain repetition or like babbling without thinking about what you're saying. And even Protestants will admit this. So these people on just, I guess, I don't know how to term them except for maybe self-made apologists, hmm. hack job apologists. I don't want to be mean, but you know, this girl doesn't understand that prayers are repeated all throughout scripture. And Jesus tells us, you know, like the old lady with the judge, you know, because of her persistence in coming again and again and again and again, he answered her prayer. In Revelation 4, 8, it says that holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and who is and who is to come. It says that the angels and saints, the elders before the throne, repeat this day and night every day forever. Now, that's a lot of repetition. You know, so the Bible clearly is not Uh, condemning repetitious prayer. And in fact, it encourages it. It's condemning vain repetition and babbling like the pagans which is they believed that the, their gods didn't even hear them and they had to earn their gods hearing them through sacrifice, through cutting their own skin and shedding blood and through multiplying prayers, up, sometimes up to a half a day, then maybe their gods would hear them if they were sleeping or they just didn't want to listen to their requests. So, you know, this is not what Catholics are doing in the rosary or anything else. And in fact, I finished up by telling her that the rosary is a meditation on the life death and resurrection of jesus and in fact it's a meditation on the gospels so the bible tells us to fill our minds with the word of god day and night that's what it says and that's exactly what we're doing in the rosary which is the opposite of vain repetition
0: yeah yeah very good yeah that's uh (laughs) that that's one of those verses or objections that always struck me as weird it's like um how do you square that with the rest of the New Testament? You know, like you said, Jesus repeats it. The angels, the elders repeated uh, prayers. And even, you know, Protestants themselves, when even when they're doing extemporaneous prayer, you'll notice they always begin with, Lord, I just want to say, and then they say a bunch of things, <laughs> And then it ends with, and we ask this in your name. You know, it's, it's even that. I don't know if you ever rep- saw that video
1: repetition. I made on that you know i made a video on that a no. long time ago and i a lot of protestants liked it and a lot of them did not but um <laughs> i basically said um because i had some girl pray over me once she's like can i pray with you and she said Oh, Heavenly Father, we just want to come before you, oh Father God, and we just want to bless Brian here, Father God, and Father God, we really just want to offer him up to you and him and his wife and his family, Father God, oh Father God, I mean she literally repeated it about a hundred times in a short two minute prayer, um yeah. so it definitely happens in Protestant churches as well,
0: yeah, yeah, that's funny, yeah, so <laughs> and that's a like you said that's a very common objection people run into and you know it's it's sometimes uh you know it, it's those are one of those objections that I think catholics need to be armed for because it will come your way sooner or later
1: yeah and just make a you know a few verses you don't have to have all the verses but just a few verses about Jesus in Matthew, for example, write down Matthew 26, uh, 42 to 44, and it talks, Jesus repeated the same prayer three times. Protestants, I shouldn't say Protestants, I should say anti-Catholics. Anti-Catholics always ask uh, Catholics, well, if you believe God hears you and you believe he can hear everything, then why do you need to repeat a prayer? Obviously you don't think he hears you the first time. Huh? Huh? And I said, Oh, well, Jesus, I guess he didn't believe in God either. And he didn't think God heard him the first time. Cause he repeated a prayer three times in the garden of Gethsemane. And, uh, and they're like, wait, show me the verse. And so I show them the verse and they're like, well, it doesn't mean that. I'm like, <laughs> which is always their go-to response. <laughs> um, or you could show them some like Psalm. um, uh, Oh, actually, the one I quoted earlier is Revelation 4, 8, if people want to write it down or commit it to memory. And then Psalm 139, it says, give thanks to the Lord for he is good and his mercy endures forever. Give thanks to the God of gods for his mercy endures forever. Give thanks to the Lord of lords for his mercy endures forever, for his mercy endures forever, for his mercy, mercy," literally like 50 times throughout the whole Psalm. And uh, it repeats that aspect of the prayer, but it's not doing it vainly. It's doing it out of love for God because we are emphasizing that God's mercy endures forever and we are praising him for it.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, very good. Very good. And not only did you answer the objection, but then you gave a positive explanation. You know, this is why we do like the rosary. It's meditation on scripture. So you kind of take away the objection and you replace it with uh, something that's reasonable that what we do. That's awesome.
1: Yeah. So, and if okay. people are forgetting that, you know, check out our YouTube channel. We have a, just type in Catholic Truth Why Do Catholics Pray the Rosary? and our video should come up. It's pretty top ranked.
0: <laughs> awesome. Very good. Okay. So, repetitive prayer. Uh, let's, I think we might have a time, uh, maybe about a minute and a half, if we could Okay. Have another one or start one.
1: Yeah. Well, um, so. I've been hearing, I'll do a short one. I've been hearing lately that uh, Protestants say, you know, you can't, Mary's not in heaven. Mary's not glorified. She's not queen of heaven and earth. God doesn't share his glory. Have you ever heard that one? God doesn't share glory with anyone. And then they quote Isaiah 44, 45, and 46, right? Mm -hmm. Well... Yeah. The, the, the fact is they take it out of context. This is, again, why the Catholic Church doesn't let random people just interpret the Bible on their own because they don't know how. This is talking about uh, the false pagan gods. He doesn't share glory with them. But if you read John 17, it says we're going to share glory like Christ. And uh, Romans 6 through 7 says we are going to receive the same glory that God has if we persevere in faith.
0: Yeah, very good. Awesome. We're chatting with Brian Mercier of the thecatholictruth.org or Catholic Truth Channel on YouTube. More to come right after this. listen to Hands-On Apologetics. Now, back to Hands-On Apologetics with Gary Machuda. If you'd like to join the conversation, call 888-526-2151. Here's Gary. And welcome back, everybody. We are chatting with Brian Mercier of... Catholic Truth Channel on YouTube, and also thecatholictruth.org dot uh, org is his website. When we're knocking down anti-Catholic objections, and actually, Brian, that might be a, a record for the speediest uh, setup and <laughs> knockdown ever in regards to God sharing His glory. And uh, yeah, that and that is a common one that you often hear.
1: Yeah, it is, um, and I I like the fact that. Um, the Bible specifically says we are going to go from glory to glory after we die. The Bible specifically says that God shared his glory with Israel. It says that in the New Testament. And Paul goes on to say if he shared his glory with Israel, how much more is he going to share it with us? We are the children of the promise are going to experience his glory and go from glory to glory. We're going to have different degrees of glory. So, I mean, only this is the problem, Gary. It's so Disheartening and so frustrating that people think they know the Bible so well, but all they know how to do is look down, read a verse out of context, have no idea what it means, and say, Oh, well, see, God doesn't share his glory. Well, look at those Catholics. Or, you know, or really, unfortunately, well trained pastors. Uh, people like R.C. Sproul, people like uh, evangelists like Ray Comfort or Todd Friel, the host of Wretched Radio and many others, they come up with these bizarre, nonsense, bozo arguments, and then deceive other people with them. They're so anti-Catholic, they they can't even interpret the Bible correctly. They're just looking for anything that'll condemn the Catholic Church. Listen to what Romans chapter 2 says. It says, uh, some people are going to receive wrath on the day of wrath, but he will also give to each one, according to his deeds, eternal life to those who by patient endurance Uh, in doing good and seeking for glory, honor, and immortality. Glory, honor, and peace to everyone who works what is good, the Jew first and then the Greek. So not only are we going to receive glory, but also honor and peace and eternal life. That's the Bible. That's what people are missing. And I think that just taking verses out of context doesn't help. And that goes both ways. Catholics shouldn't do it and Protestants shouldn't do it either.
0: Yeah. Yeah. What do you think that is? Is it because Catholicism is, uh, like, assumed guilty before, you know, uh, without being proven innocent and therefore any objection is good enough because we already know it's wrong? Is it that kind of lack of attention or or, or do you think it's, uh, you know, uh, that they're just holding on to a kind of anti-Catholic tradition that they've heard from other people?
1: Yeah, I think it's both. Actually, I think people are just presumed to be wrong. Like, you know, I debunked several videos, 10 reasons why the Catholic Church is satanic, seven reasons why I left the church, 10 reasons why I left the Catholic Church. And all of these people have an axe to grind and will look for anything to make the Catholic Church look wrong so that they can justify the reasons why they left and make it seem right in their own mind. And many of them are not intellectually honest, but are grasping for straws and then other people like Lorraine Bettner and some really big wigs you know who should know better and have written authoritative books that everyone else quotes they're so far off on so many arguments, but then it, it it funnels down to all the, you know, rank and file anti-Catholics who just repeat it without actually researching it, because apparently that's what Lorraine Bettner did as well. Uh, just, you know, said some of these things without actually deeply researching them. And then they repeat them. And it's nowadays, it's even worse than that. Nowadays you have everyone reading their own Bible saying, I don't need a church, I don't need a pastor, I just need me in this Bible. That's all I need. And so you're people who have no idea what biblical exegesis is. You have people who don't know what biblical interpretation is or hermeneutics. People, (laughs) There's a funny trend going on lately. The people are like, oh, you don't understand hermeneutics. And no, they go on to try to debunk me. I'm like, you don't even know what the word hermeneutics means, and you're misusing it. And that's what I find funny is you're trying to sound smart, but you haven't actually studied these things in depth. You're just repeating what other people have said. And so it's really sad that people don't actually understand how to interpret the Bible. And that's key. You can't just read the Bible and say, oh, well, it says it here. That's what it must mean. No. and that. But that's exactly what modern day Protestantism is. Now Protestants can't even agree on what sola scriptura is. Now they can't even agree on what faith is. I mean, they couldn't from the beginning, but it's getting worse. People accuse me often of uh, on our YouTube channel and TikTok of uh, reaching out for low-hanging fruit. You know, they're like, that's not what Protestants believe. And you're being dishonest. I'm like, no, it's not what you believe as a Protestant. But Protestants across the board, many of them believe this. And we hear it all the time in our comment section. And that's the problem of Protestantism. It's you can't even agree with yourselves and you're all using the same book.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, I've encountered that over and over over the years it's a a kind of myopia where uh, you know if you don't speak specifically to, to how that particular individual believes then you're misrepresenting protestantism as a whole and it's it's like they have blinders on they don't know you know they don't see all the other people who claim to be following the bible alone who have very different beliefs than they do
1: yeah they tell me if you just go by the bible alone you won't be catholic anymore and the Bible alone is all you need. I, okay, Jehovah's Witnesses actually go by the Bible alone. They're pretty strict on the Bible alone. Yeah, they have their books, but none of it trumps the Bible. Only the Bible is authoritative for them. And, you know, and I mean, maybe Pastor Russell's writings back in the day, but... Um, but lots of people go by the Bible alone, but they all come up with different interpretations of what it means. And that's why I've been hearing, Gary, lately some weird, different objections that I haven't heard before. But now I'm starting to hear it more frequently, which means, you know, now we're, we're in the age of like TikTok apologetics. Um, a long time ago, I made a video uh, debunking this guy who went into a Catholic church and he saw this huge statue of Satan bound um, I guess in chains and the church was dark and this, I mean, it was like a 50 foot statue of Satan and with huge wings. And he's like, guys, this is how satanic the Catholic church is. I mean, this is literally disgusting people like look at it with your own eyes and he's making this dubious video. He has probably hundreds of thousands of views. My videos are not that popular. I guess I speak truth, but you know, <laughs> I went I I debunked him and I said, you have no idea what you're talking about. And I tagged him, too. And I called him out on it. I said, this isn't even a Catholic church. This is an Anglican church in England. And you are slandering Catholics before God. And you're going to have to answer for that someday because of your shabby and shoddy research. And um, but this is the apologetics of today people who are unstudied can just make anything, any accusations, because it seems true in their own mind. But they're leading many more people astray, because they haven't done proper research yet. Emotions are not facts, you know, yeah. feelings are not facts, you know, but that's what people are using nowadays. And so nowadays, I'm hearing uh, one, one person said recently, and I debunked him too, he said, uh, I want to see if I get the argument right. Mayor, if Mary was If God needed Mary to be sinless so that Jesus could be sinless, then was Mary's parents sinless, too, so that she could be sinless? You know, it's just a misunderstanding of the whole thing. But now I hear people, you know, responding to this all the time because you have all these influencers who don't understand anything to begin with. And so I said, first of all, Mary did not need necessarily to be sinless. She fittingly did as St. Thomas Aquinas did, but she didn't absolutely need it. I mean, God could have just snapped his fingers and brought salvation into the world. But the way he chose to bring salvation in the world was through Mary. And the way he chose to bring salvation into the world was to prepare the tabernacle of his divine eternal son ahead of time and make her sinless so she could sinlessly bear the sinless son of the most high God. That is what God shows. It's not needed. God is Jesus is God. He's sinless by nature. Mary did not make him sinless, and therefore her parents did not need to be sinless. It's just that she was kept sinless by God because he prepared her uh, Jesus' tabernacle ahead of time.
0: Yeah, yeah, very good. Yeah, that's, uh, that's a common misunderstanding, and very well put, too. I mean, it, it's you know, fitting this, that God chose to do it this way. Uh, and of course, you, you, whenever you say God has to do something, <laughs> then you're, you, there's like a major error somewhere in your reasoning.
1: <laughs> yes,
0: I agree. God, God um, doesn't have to do anything. Yeah. Yeah. So no, he doesn't. Yeah, and so it's like this echo chamber. And you know, I, I, you point, point out something that, like, I feel sincerely, sincerely that bad arguments are dangerous because they can totally mislead people and open up the floodgates for them to leave Christianity, some pseudo-Christian group. Uh, yeah. On my Apocrypha Apocalypse, I'm going to uh, I look at a sermon this guy did on the canon, Old and New Testament canon. That's horrible. I mean, it's absolutely <laughs> horrible. And the reason I'm doing it isn't because, you know, he differs from me or something like that, but it's so bad I could see people leaving Christianity if they take him seriously. So, you know... We have to guard the you know, truth.
1: That's half the reason I do uh, some. I do. I'll admit I do low hanging fruit videos sometimes. But the reason I do so is because so many people believe these arguments. They're shallow. They're emotional. They sound true for anyone who doesn't know. And many people are led astray by them. So I try to do more intellectual ones and I try to do more shallow ones. I try to do everything across the board because, as you said, they're going to lead people astray.
0: Yeah. Yeah, Absolutely. Well, let's see, uh, we have maybe about a minute and a half left, and we've been talking so much about your channel, why don't we directly talk about your channel? So you've had uh, some great interviews, some awesome videos, uh, I did see the, uh, the, the one about the street preacher, uh, Cleveland Street Preacher, but I didn't listen to it yet, so uh, you should have said spoiler alert, but nevertheless, I'm still going to enjoy it. Tell us more about what's coming up on your channel.
1: Yeah, we actually did that uh, as a live feed. And uh, for some reason, you know, I'm going to try and do more live feeds in the future, live question and answer times, uh, live question and answer times with just atheists or just anti-Catholics and let them ask questions and we'll answer their questions and things like that. And I just got some microphones. And so I really do want to try to start doing some street evangelization. I'm going to start trying to go to some Protestant churches and do some live video uh, interviews and things like that. So we have a ton of different uh, interviews lined up, both on TikTok. We're going to go live and Instagram, but also on Facebook and our podcast as well. Um we have some uh people who are converts to the Catholic faith. We have a lot more interviews of those coming up. Awesome.
0: Yeah, very good. So uh you have the YouTube channel, Catholic Truth. You have the website, thecatholictruth.org. You mentioned TikTok and uh some other platforms. Like I, I'm not sh- I I'm not familiar with TikTok. I'll I'll tell you my ignorance. Uh is there a special way people can get a hold of you and follow you on TikTok?
1: Yeah, it's The Catholic Truth on TikTok, or they could just look up Catholic Truth. But The Catholic Truth, Uh, TikTok's just like, you know, up to three minute videos. They won't let you upload more than that. So most of my videos are between 10 seconds and, um, you know, two minutes usually. So the other day I made a quick video just saying Catholics did chain bibles to the pulpits anti-catholics are right about that but it wasn't to keep it from the people it was to protect it and i went on to explain how they were uh so expensive how long they took and so people love that short little video they're just short little clips of the catholic faith that people can learn in our super short-winded culture
0: (laughs) awesome well brian thank you so much for coming on the show we appreciate it
1: thank you all for always having me gary
0: all right brian mercier yeah check it out thecatholictruth.org and all the other platforms as well Wow, man, the hour's gone. All right. Well, it's time to bring up the dynamic duo of Terry and Jesse with the Terry and Jesse Show coming up next. Thank you so much for listening. God willing, we'll be back again tomorrow. This is all hands on and I'll